0: Symptoms are good. Symptoms are your body communicating to you that there's something wrong.
1: Hello, people. Welcome to the community of the Growth Mindset Podcast. Guys, if you are a first-time listener, don't forget to subscribe on whichever platform you're listening from so that you don't miss on more interesting episodes coming up in the following weeks. And for our daily listeners, here we are again with a new episode where we will interview another interesting personality, From a unique industry and understand how they were able to accomplish this great level of success remember this is a podcast where we learn easy practical methods and tips that we can implement in our daily lives from the very best and the most successful people known today because as we all know success leaves clues and we the people having the growth mindset will use these clues to create a better more fulfilling and a successful life. So, let the growth begin. First thing first, Shay, thank you so much for taking your time out and joining us on the Growth Mindset Podcast.
0: Thank you, Irshad. Thank you for having me.
1: Awesome. Shay, people know you on LinkedIn Frank You're very famous when it comes to LinkedIn and your content. Amazing stuff. But let's say for people who might not have heard about it because I have people who are 20, 25 years old on LinkedIn, on Instagram and Facebook. Tell us something about yourself. Where are you from and all of that?
0: Yeah, so I grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, from the Midwest, and I just always felt like there was something more to life than what I was taught. You know, I always felt really different from the people who were around me. And that could be really hard at times. I couldn't feel very isolated, but there was something in me that always just told me to go for it, you know, told me to take risks, told me to be bold. And throughout my life, you know, I started to realize payoff in doing that. And the payoff was not only that I got to do what I wanted and what my heart was called to do, but I actually started to attract people I didn't feel isolated with anymore, you know, who did align with me, who did have similar beliefs, who did support me. So I originally started out as a musician, and that's actually how I got into video marketing. I was a musician. I discovered video content. I was hiring videographers to work to shoot music videos for me. And I realized like, oh, wow, you know, there's a lot of money to be made in video right now. I think that if I uh, quit this music thing, which I wasn't making any money at the time, I was still waitressing, you know, I thought I can do this. You know, I can get behind the camera and I can learn this. And I did. And that's how I started my first company. It was a viral video company on Facebook. I edited videos for large pages on Facebook, went viral, learned the ins and outs of social media, and eventually just brought everything I had learned to LinkedIn and applied it to my own personal brand. So we had kind of the fusion, you know, performer Shea and artist musician Shea with marketing Shay, because now I had learned everything I needed to know about video and how to market myself and I fused the two, started making my own video content to attract business on LinkedIn and it just absolutely changed my life. It, I, I exploded, I gained um, so much business, but I really just gained a lot more confidence. You know, it was like I finally found my voice that I had been looking for all those years as an artist. And I found that the more I spoke my truth on camera and was myself, the more I attracted clients that actually aligned with me, people that I wanted to work with. And so now that's what I do today is I help business owners, entrepreneurs, or somebody looking to start their own business. I help them create effective videos for the LinkedIn platform to grow their business and attract inbound leads.
1: Wow. I mean, that's a great. Background as to what you currently do, how you've done it, and I want to, you know, start out from the basic. Shay, that wasn't very popular. Why did you always have this mindset of starting your own business, or getting into this music industry, or how how was your childhood like? How did it all this begin?
0: Um, kind of yes and no. You know, my my childhood was rough. So I come from a narcissistic family. I had narcissists as parents, which is very challenging. Um, but it can also be very hidden. You know, and this is this is very true for Indian culture as well. It can be very hidden. The parents, oh, yeah. they're well-intended. Intent- well they just love you. They just want what's best for you. But a lot of times what these parents are doing is they're trying to create, like, a perfect kid so that they look good. You know, I want mm. you to be a doctor so that I look good. I want you to be a, a lawyer so that I, I look good. It's not necessarily about what's best for the kid. And um, I started to figure that out early on. Um, about, you know, my, uh, family and, you know, and that's, and that's why I bring it up in the Indian culture even, cause I've, I've talked to a lot of people from India who really, really resonate with my content because they're like, oh man, I, I feel like what you're saying is, is so true, but no one would dare talk about this yeah. in India or whatever the, <laughs> whatever the case is. Yeah. So maybe, maybe I'm a, perhaps a little ahead, but the thing is, um, a lot of times, you know, Children are abused without even knowing that they're abused. Because in my case, um, I grew up with uh, money. You know, I mean, we weren't rich, but we had money. You know, we had food on the table every night. The lights were on. We went on vacation to Florida every year. You know, like, it seemed like life was, was good. It was very hard to speak up and say, you know, there's something wrong here. I don't actually think this is healthy. I think we're being abused because it was like, Oh shut up you're just privileged and you just should be grateful mm. and and all of this and that but at the end of the day a kid can grow up in a very privileged home with money with food on the table and still not receive love still not get their basic needs met a kid can grow up in a trailer park and have very loving parents who do you know meet the child's emotional needs give them validation attention and all those things so it took me a long time to realize that um I had been a a victim of my childhood. You know, I was very much uh, confused. I felt like, okay, I must just be crazy. What's wrong with me? There's, there's obviously something going on here. Uh, But as time went on, I started to read books, and uh, this actually all started because of my relationship with my mom, which was really rough. You know, it was really hard with my mom. We were fighting all the time, even into my adult life. You know, I tried to keep her around. I'd, I'd cut her out for some time. I'd bring her back, and there was just so much drama with my mom. And I, I was like trying to figure out what is this? You know, what's what's going on here? So I, I ended up finding this book when I was um, young. I was I was like 21, maybe mm-hmm. 22, and I'm 28 now. So this is, you know, early 20s. And it was this book called Mothers Who Can't Love by Susan Forward. And this book, uh, it completely changed my life. For the first time in my life, I understood my mom. And I could see that, you know, she actually also wasn't loved by her mom. And she also grew up with money and privilege with her mom. And also, you know, was just repeating that cycle of, well, there's food on the table. The lights are on. We go to Florida every year. You know, we're, we're, we're living the American dream. Everything's great. You know, just shut up and be happy. But the reality is the sad truth is my mom and my dad. They didn't actually know how to love themselves, mm. and when you don't know how to love yourself and have uh, self uh, respect, you're you're in no way going to be able to love your kids. True. You know, you might you might think you love your kids, like oh, I you know I I signed my kid up for the soccer team, or you know I bought my kid a, a go kart for Christmas. You know, yeah. that's that's really not necessarily love. You know, love is really allowing um, the child to be who they really are. And not having a, a projection of insecurity onto your kid every time they do something that you're not comfortable with. So, as an example, me being a musician, you know, I was like, "Hey, mom and dad, I really want to be a musician. This is my dream. I love music. This is what I want." And um, it was really hard. You know, they were very discouraging. They wanted me to do what they wanted for me, and and they couldn't see that it was it was breaking my heart. So, you know, I eventually made the hard decision to cut out my family. Starting with my mom, she was actually the first person I let go after I had read that book by Susan Forward, which was a very hard decision to make. I'm not saying it's the right choice for everyone. I do think there's a lot of families out there with some dysfunction, but it can be resolved through therapy, through talking it through. That wasn't going to be the case with my mom. You know, I started to accept that it was a lost cause, that she was just broken beyond repair, and that if I was going to stay around, I was going to inevitably repeat that cycle and get sucked into, um, what she had gone through. And I, I wanted no part of it. So I made a really hard decision. I decided to cut out my family and start my own business and, you know, just focus on myself and see where the path took me. And I was willing to take the risk. Like, okay, maybe I'll completely regret this. And in three years, you know, come running back to my family or, or maybe it'll be my wildest dreams come true. And it's really been the latter. You know, it really, it really, um has been my wildest dreams come true. Once I got on LinkedIn, once I started making these videos, I saw that I wasn't alone. I saw that a lot of people grow up feeling this way. A lot of people struggle with self-esteem issues because their parents had self-esteem issues and they, they just weren't properly um nurtured. So it was a very beautiful experience for me getting on LinkedIn because I not only was fortunate to find clients here and, and grow my business, make more money, I really found the courage to be myself. I, I let go of that belief of something must be wrong with me that my mom didn't love me. There was absolutely nothing wrong with me. My mom was simply a product of her environment and her mom the same. And until someone in the family line becomes True. very, very, very conscious of what's going on and breaks that cycle, um, it's you're just very likely to repeat it with your kids. Same cycle. So, Yeah, so that's a lot of what I talk about in my content. I mean, I am a digital marketer. I do help people with their video. But I think a lot of what's drawn people to me is that vulnerability and that willingness to get honest about the hardships in life and um, the failures and the things that aren't always so glamorous because that's what makes us human. And that's a huge part of marketing, Irshad, is actually connecting with people on a human level. So that's what drives a lot of people to me. And that's also what I help coach people through is how to, you know, speak their truth and start making these videos.
1: I mean, yeah, you, you're spot on, Shay. Yes, you did cover a lot of points, especially on the lines of uh, this the culture as well, face it or not. Yes, they do. And they're going to hide it because everybody knows, right? If you go to, let's say, Indian parents, I'm not saying, I'm not going to generalize this, but he has a good majority of them. wherein right? They say, my son's going to be a doctor. My, my, my daughter's going to be a uh, this, that. And yeah, that that is setting up some real bad example because then you're not asking your guest what exactly he or she wants to do, right? And then right. dig into the zone of, you know, you're just following uh, the crowd and not being able to achieve this. But now you also mentioned a very important point uh, that yes, you did have a lot of uh, issues, but let's say for people who are facing these issues right now in India, or, or let's anybody who's listening to, uh, listening to us from any part of the world, what should they do? People who are young, now they don't even know where to go or start from. So what do you think, where should they start from so that they could start the process of healing themselves?
0: Yeah, um, great, great question. You know, I think the biggest thing is to really ask yourself um, and give yourself an honest answer as to why you're doing what you're doing. You know, why am I going to school for this degree? Why am I marrying this woman? Why am I getting this job? And if Uh, there's even a little bit of a suspicion on your part that it's because it's what your parents want you to do, you know that you're going down the wrong path. Because that might be manageable in your 20s, but that's going to exacerbate in your 30s, in your 40s. It's just going to get, it's going to drain you more and more if you're not building a life that's for you. And this is something that some people don't even realize until their parents die. You know the parents will die. You know, twenty, thirty years yeah. later, and they'll re- and they'll realize, oh my gosh, I just did all of this for my mom. You know, now she's dead, and I I'm not even in the career that I want. I'm not in the marriage I want. I'm not maybe I'm not living in the country I want. You know, so it's really important at a young age you start to recognize, am I doing this for myself or am I doing it for my parents? Um, now I do want to point something out that's really important. There is a difference between um, a parent who's just genuinely concerned for their child and says, Hey, I want you to be a doctor because doctors make a really good living. And I just, I want you to have financial security. I I worry about you. I think this is a safe path for you. Um, this is what I want for you because I I, I want you to have success. However, if you really truly want to be a musician, you know, we'll, we'll support you. And we've got your back. Yep. If you really want to be a musician, that's fine. I just want you to know, child, that this is a really hard path. A lot of musicians fail, and um I want you to know the reality of what you're signing up for and that this might be a safer route for you. That's different. You know, that's not narcissistic parenting where you're True. putting it on your kid like you need to be a doctor or I'm not going to pay for college at all or you need to be a doctor or, you know, xy some other threat. I'm going to kick you out of the house, whatever. Like that's more manipulative. That's more like you're not even giving your kid a choice. You know, you're not even allowing there to be an open conversation about like, well, what are the benefits of going to medical school versus being a musician or whatever it is that you want to do? So just start to be mindful and ask yourself, could this be my parents? Where, where do my parents fall in the line? Are they in that area of just being loving and concerned and wanting me to have a good life, but still supporting me regardless of what I choose? Or are they more on that manipulation end of, wow, it actually feels like I won't receive any love or attention from my parents unless I do exactly what they say. Mm. Now, that's a survival mechanism that a lot of us had to um, have in childhood to survive. Like as a small child, you know, like age six, seven, eight, I absolutely had to be who my parents wanted me to be to True. survive because I was a small child. I was dependent on them for survival. Once I got to be 18, 19, 20, that wasn't the case anymore. You know, as hard as it was, I could, in reality, go be a musician, do whatever I wanted, and uh, my parents could do nothing about it. I no longer depended on them for survival. But the problem is, once we get to age 18, 19, 20, so many of us are that it's so ingrained in us by then to do what our parents say, because as a child... We had to do what they said to survive. So it just, it stays in the body. You know, that energy is still there of like, well, I'm, you know, we fear our parents so much. We fear them. And that's what I said. A lot of people don't even wake up to this until their parents die. So it's important if you're in your early 20s or if you're just starting your business, trying to figure out your own path, just always ask yourself, am I really doing this for me? At the end of the day, is this what I want or is this what my parents want for me? Because at the end of the day, What is going to create a successful life is not the most money, is not the most attention from your family, is not the most degrees or certification. It's a life where you wake up and do exactly what it is you want to do. That is how we never experience burnout. You know, that is how we never dread going to work. When we are truly following our highest excitement, work does not feel like work. So for anyone out there listening starting their own business starting their own path I would say ask yourself what is my highest excitement what excites me more than anything is it podcasting is it video content is it music is it teaching people is it medicine you know whatever it is what is your highest excitement and make sure that it's really yours and follow that
1: got it what you just said you know that was actually going to be my second question because when you said uh, your parents and then you're not following it but what if as you said what if they were really concerned right because we want to cover both the uh, both the places because some really come out of concern for you notifying you that you know maybe we are we are thinking about this because there are not a lot of people that actually succeed and that's the reason that's the place that we are coming from and we uh, uh, as, as kids or anybody as as kids can kind of understand what where their parents are coming from and does that really make sense to me and still if they really love you obviously they're gonna listen to you stating yeah though you want me to do that but please understand that that or mom that you know this is what i want to do and if they really love you they're gonna basically understand and support you it's all about you first also communicating to your parents but things a little in india are, are a little different right for example let's say kids normally don't go out and speak against their parents or because out of respect or uh uh stating that you know if you talk either with a loud tone to your parents, that could be a problem. but now, taking a step back and and thinking about uh also men because I have a lot of listeners who who are business owners and uh, they have their own family, they run their business. How should they communicate to their kids? What do you think are a good approach wherein uh, uh, uh a business leader who's also running a business but can also understand that they have kids that also need attention? How should they approach their kids?
0: Yeah, um, no, great question. I, I first wanna touch on what you said, this stigma around never speaking poorly about your parents. Mm-hmm. I do wanna touch on that first because that's a really important point. This is actually why we see such um in the West, you know, we we have such high um uh suicide rates and depression and, and mental illness. It actually is linked to this idea um i wouldn't say it's it's the same as india by any means i mean i'm i'm white in in the white culture there's a lot of kids who talk back to their parents <laughs> and, and, and that's probably different from how you've grown up but still at the end of the day still there is a strong pressure to never say anything bad about your parents mm-hmm. you know it's kind of like the way we treat moms like uh mother's day is like the most widely celebrated holiday in the world it's like as soon as you push a baby out of your vagina, you're just Buddha and nobody can say anything bad about you. Like, it's not true. Just because you've given birth to a child doesn't mean you're automatically enlightened and you can never do wrong. And we need to get over this idea that it's that it's so shameful and so disrespectful to criticize our parents. I do understand that there is a level of um, uh, work involved in parenting that is it really is the hardest job in the world. I mean, it really is such a hard job to raise kids. However, this righteousness of parents of like, well, I'm the parent now, so you can't say anything bad. It really does set up this, this culture of Mm. mental illness that I mentioned in the West. These kids end up growing up with mental illness problems because they can't blame anything on their parents. They have to, you know, internalize it all. They internalize all this. Well, I'm bad. Well, I must not be good enough. Well, I, you know, and, and the only way we're going to change it is if we start to get brave and actually speak out against the parents. And this is what, I've done. And this is what several people are doing. You know, I mean, my parents, they don't talk to me, but I actually made the decision first to cut them out. And then I started to get really public about my story. And one of the things people have regularly said to me is, oh, my gosh, you know, I feel the exact same way about my parents, but I would never dare say it, Shay. Like, I can't believe you're sharing this. I'm like, yeah, you know, but this is what we need to start doing. Because when we never share it, we also create a silent permission for the kids to grow up and then do it to their kids it's kind of like well it's my turn now since i was never allowed to say anything bad about my parents now i'm gonna put that same uh expectation on my kids and nope you can't say anything about me because who in the heck wants to go their whole childhood obeying their parents never saying how they really feel about them never disrespecting them and then grow up have their own kids and now listen to their kids talk oh, no. badly. Like, they're like, no way. They're like, wait a minute. This is not fair. Like, I didn't get to do this. It's my turn now. You don't get to do this. And that's what sets up this cycle of mental illness because Correct. we're not allowed to criticize. I understand that being a parent is is challenging. Um, but at the end of the day, we do need to get honest and, and let go of this idea that um, parents are perfect. You know, they are not. They are open for criticism. We can heal together you know we we are in this together True. we are in fact one big family on family earth and I, and I think once we uh allow parents a safe space to say hey you know i'm not i'm not uh trying to take your kids away from you i'm not trying to you know demonize you or anything i'm just trying to give some constructive criticism that hey maybe you're projecting onto your kid maybe it's really you who's insecure and you want your kid to go be a doctor because you're afraid of what your friends at the country club are going to think about you if your kid's not a doctor like all of their kids. You know, could you just no. think about that? Could could you just chew on that for a minute and consider, is this me? So I think that's really important to um, also point out is the stigma around parenting. We need to start to get brave and talk about it and hold parents accountable because that's what's going to ultimately create change. Now, in regards to your question about um, juggling the business and coming home with kids, you know, maybe you're a businessman, you work all day, and then you have small kids at home. Well, this is actually a really beautiful question because um, there's a lot of misinformation about parenting that we need to uh, teach the kids, right? That we need to discipline them, that we need to rear them and shape them and all this and that. Yeah. The reality is, is kids, we can just let them be. We don't have to do anything to the kids if we ourselves are truly living in an authentic place. So if a kid sees their mom and dad living their life, their best life, um, having the career of their dreams, um, setting healthy boundaries, knowing when to say no, knowing when to say, hey, family, I need a break. I need some alone time. I'm going to go by the pool by myself for a while. Um, you know, kids will do what you do. Sure. not what you, t- not what you tell them to do. You know, we, we've all seen the parents who tell their kids, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that. But the the parent is doing it. You know, at that point, you've already lost them. Kids are going to yeah. do exactly what you're going to do. If you don't want your kid to yell, don't yell. If you don't want your kid to hit, don't hit. If you don't want your kid to lie, stop lying. You know, and that's really the beauty of parenting. We can actually just be authentically ourselves and the kids will raise themselves, And the other thing I want to say about that to all the parents listening is um, if you do get triggered by your kid, if you do come home one day and, I don't know, let's say your kid uh, spills something or makes a mess or is just being crazy and, and you're getting really triggered, right, you're getting really angry at your kid. Stop to take a minute to really ask yourself, what is it in you that's getting angry? Because oftentimes it's triggering something that's unprocessed from your own childhood. Yeah. You know, you're seeing the kid and deep down inside, it's triggering something from your childhood True. that you get to start to be honest with yourself about. Um, but kids, you know, I, I always say the the sad thing about the world we live in today is um. Kids come into the world whole, healthy, and complete. You know, they know nothing but love. They know how to receive love. They know how to give love. And it's really the society that's built on this dog-eat-dog, you know, narcissistic culture that starts to program the kid to be the opposite. You know, hey, actually, you're going to have to act differently if you want attention and love. Really? I'm Like, me as myself, I'm not good enough? Okay. You know, babies don't come into the world thinking that. They come into the world thinking... I'm whole, healthy, and complete. They cry when they want to cry. They're in touch with their emotions. They're not suppressing or repressing anything until we, the parents, start to teach them to. You know, that's us. That's not the kids. They are more in touch with their emotions than we are. When a kid falls, they scrape their knee. They cry right there on the spot. True. The adults, we're the ones who we start to feel sad and we muffle it. We're like, oh, let me go get a beer. You know, like we're like on <laughs> autopilot. Like, let me ignore yeah. the emotions. And then the older the kid gets, they start to pick up on that. Like, well, I guess I can't just be in touch with my emotions. I got to muffle myself because that's what everyone in the outer world is doing. So I always say, you know, it's the classic quote from Gandhi, just be the change you want to see in the world. Just be that example for your kids. If you want to raise your kids to have certain morals, certain standards, you first need to ask yourself, do I have these standards? And this applies for anything. You know, this applies for if you're trying to manifest a soulmate if you're trying to manifest your wife or your husband and you have this dream uh like let's say i have this dream guy that i want to date and oh he's going to be you know six two and he's going to be a a billionaire and he's going to be he's going to work out every day and he's going to he's going to meditate it's okay well am i doing those things true am i the context for a woman that a guy like that would want to marry yeah, and and you know it always starts with yourself. So um, that's it. You know, kids just need attention. They just need love. They just need your presence. And I think it's really important for us to look at um, this mental health epidemic. Why is this happening? Well, maybe there's something unhealthy about the way that we've been raising kids, and that's okay. We can all address it now. And start to correct it together.
1: Exactly. I love the pointers that you uh, that you've uh, you know laid out, especially the first one being kids don't listen to what you say right they see and they do exactly what you do so it's not about you telling them do this and they're gonna do that no whatever you are doing is what your kids are gonna do and then also addressing the other emotion side because as you said certain things just pick into you right when you realize that all right maybe this was the trigger maybe back then this, this is how i was being treated by my parents so i need to be the same way to him or her whereas that may not be the case right and then yeah. talking about this mental health because this is another area that you know uh, the mental health in India is actually going down, which, which means you know more and more people are reporting being uh, suffering from anxiety or depression. I know because I I had listened to one of your uh, videos on LinkedIn when you actually laid everything out. You you told your story wherein you were depressed and you were actually having those suicidal thoughts, but then you actually moved forward how do you deal with those now for people who are facing this today let's say where can they begin from if they're having these suicidal thoughts
0: um yeah that's a that's a great question you know it does start with awareness but um it it really comes down to plants Hmm. plants you know what we eat um what we eat affects how we feel so much you know I, i wonder i wonder with my own parents Um, even though they did have a lot of unprocessed trauma that they were carrying from their parents and they were, you know, bringing in that, uh, unhealed childhood, I do wonder sometimes, you know, what if they actually just ate completely organic? What if they didn't drink alcohol? Hmm. How different would their gut microbiome be? Because the gut health is linked to the brain health. So when we have gut dysfunction, we have brain dysfunction. And that's what causes a lot of this psycho, psycho behavior in society. A lot of people, um, hurting people and not having empathy and this and that it's it's actually usually it starts in the gut the gut is unhealthy and over 80 percent of americans have leaky gut which is what leads to um, autoimmune disorders asthma anxiety depression so it's actually a really cool story so i had the way that my um, gut health and my unresolved trauma was manifesting in the physical was i had asthma Mm -hmm. i had really bad asthma for years I was very open about this on my LinkedIn. I shared with it. I um went to Western doctor after Western doctor trying to get my asthma under control. And, you know, they all told me, you're going to have to live with this forever. You're just going to have to be on inhalers. You're going to have to be on medication. And I just, I couldn't accept that, Ershan. There was something in me that was like, no, you know, I don't believe you. There has to be a way to sure. heal this. And now we, of course, are waking up in the West to realize this whole system is about making money. So they don't really want to teach you how to get to the root cause of what's causing asthma. They want you to be on medication your whole life because then you're a loyal customer, right?
1: <laughs> so True. So
0: I, I was determined to heal this, and I went on the path of um, alternative medicine. I actually ended up finding um, a doctor in Wisconsin, um, actually Dr. Aruna Tamala. She was an Ayurvedic doctor. Uh-huh. And yeah, she was an incredible woman. She completely changed my life. Um, I'm going to cry a little thinking about her because, um, she was an MD, you know, she was a Western practitioner and she left, she said, I couldn't morally do it anymore. I felt like, you know, it's just about keeping people sick and prescribing people opiates. And then the whole heroin epidemic happened. She was like, I didn't want to do it anymore. So I went back to, uh, India where she was from and Mm -hmm. she went and studied with Ayurvedic doctors. And she came back and she told me, I can cure your asthma. I can cure it. I said, are you sure? I'm I'm so scared. I don't want to live with this anymore. She said, I can do it. I've done it with several people. And she put me on a special diet um, because, you know, of course, Ayurveda is a lot about like different herbs and different natural plants and and supplements. So she put me on this this diet and I was really committed. I was like, okay, I'm going to do this diet. But she also gave me a breathing regimen of breathing exercises. Mm. And this just completely changed my life within one month. I was off my inhalers. And that in June of this year, that'll be four years ago, I've never used an inhaler since. Wow. Yes, (laughs) She completely transformed my gut health. Um, My skin got clearer, my energy got better, my depression started to go away. And that was really the start of my healing. It was not even necessarily that I was trying to heal my mental illness. I was trying to heal my physical illness. So I got rid of the asthma and I cured the asthma like gone after i met um dr tamala and then wow. but this is the craziest thing i still had a lot of depression i was i was really healthy you know i did have uh, good energy my skin was clear and all this but it was like because the physical symptoms were gone i started to notice the mental a lot more i'm like okay wait a minute hmm. i can breathe fine now i'm doing good what's going on mentally that i'm still blocked why am i like i had the most perfect pristine diet digestion was perfect I'm like, there's still something in me. I can feel it. What's going on? And this is, at the time, this is why I, I say it's, again, plants, right? God's medicine, yeah. right? Because at this point in time, I ended up finding um what's called ayahuasca. Have you heard mm. of this?
1: No. This is the first okay. time I'm getting it.
0: So ayahuasca, it's a plant medicine. It's a psychedelic. It's mm-hmm. you hallucinate. You know, you take it with a trained shaman, usually from the Amazon, from... uh peru or colombia where it comes from Mm -hmm. and um i went on this journey where i did this weekend long ceremony where i was given this plant it's actually like a root um and it's really strong i mean if you've ever done if if you've ever maybe smoked weed as an example it's it's nothing i mean it's like a thousand a million times stronger it's it puts you into a um psychedelic trance where you're able to now access deeper parts of yourself that were previously repressed and suppressed Mm. so when i did the ayahuasca i was able to unlock parts of my childhood that i had forgotten about um many different instances of sexual molestation and abuse by various family members that i had completely buried that when i was on the medicine it all started to come up and i started to remember oh my gosh wait a minute this is why i'm so depressed and actually this is why i had asthma this is like everything because it was like i felt like i was being suffocated for my childhood and all this and that so i came out of that ceremony um and it is really important if you do ayahuasca that you're doing it with somebody trained and um who's uh Hmm. you know a a doctor so to say of the medicine and and you can find shamans in um various areas of the u.s it is legal in some areas here unfortunately psychedelics are still mostly illegal here but it's changing Mm -hmm. but i came out of there and I had so much clarity around um, my childhood, the things I had repressed, why I had certain behaviors. And one of the first things I did, Irshad, was I called my, um, my conventional therapist that I had been seeing for years, who I used to sit on a couch and talk to, mm-hmm. you know, for hours. I called him and I said, David, I learned more about myself in a one weekend ayahuasca ceremony than I ever did with, with years of you in therapy. I mean, with years and he was floored. He was like, What? I was like, You've gotta look into this. It's called ayahuasca. Like it completely changed my life. And it's just a plant. So, like that's the craziest True. part, is it's just a, a plant from the Amazon that um, primal beings and our ancestors used for thousands of years. So I started to figure it out, like, wait a minute, you know, all of these all this junk in society, all of this, you know, alcohol, pharmaceuticals, yeah. medication, quick Correct. fixes. I'm like, this is actually just another trap. We need to return to plants because through Ayurvedic medicine, which is largely herbal medicine, and Mm -hmm. through ayahuasca, which is, again, a plant, I was able to knock out my asthma, my depression, and connect to God and connect to my higher self in a way that conventional Western medicine never got
1: me there. (laughs) Interesting. What is more interesting is the fact that, you know, you were able to come out of that through different ways and methods. And you also spoke about, you know, everything starts from your gut, which is actually right. And I've seen, uh, you know, Naveen Jain also talking a lot about gut microbiome and then how can yes. this directly affect your brain and how all of this makes sense. And yes, it all starts from the diet. So whatever instance or whatever issue you have, correcting those I think would also be the right approach for us to move forward. And I've also noticed this person that people, yes, are coming forward. They are becoming more aware that, you know, these alternate medicines per se are not the right fit, but you actually need to go back to to the to the roots that, initially how we used to treat people rather than thinking something Mm -hmm. else.
0: Yeah, and another thing I'll say about that really quick is in Western culture, we treat symptoms as a bad thing. We treat symptoms as, oh, you have eczema, you have a rash. Here's here's medication to get rid of the symptom. Get rid of the symptom. Symptoms are good. Symptoms are your body communicating to you that there's something wrong. Hey, the reason you're getting a rash on your body is because what's going into your body fast food, processed True. foods, sugar, that's, you know, it's a sign that something needs to be resolved. So if we could flip it to actually look at symptoms as a blessing, oh my gosh, you know, I'm getting fat. Why am I getting fat? You know, that's yeah. a symptom. That's your body trying to tell you something is off balance here in the gut. Um, and in Western culture, we treat symptoms like, oh, we got to get rid of the symptoms. So put a band-aid on it. Put a Take this medication to get rid of the symptoms. Quick fix. Not healing the root cause. Exactly. That's That's causing you to have that symptom in the first place
1: exactly man i i love the part where you know <laughs> though my i had a few different things in mind but the topic that we initially started off is so crucial and important i think because if these pieces come together first if you if can get these things right everything else will fall in place as well because irrespective of how successful you may be professionally but if you don't have that peace of mind uh, and if you don't have the right kind of energy, all of this does not matter because end of the day, you're not feeling happy, right? And yes. and and you're somebody who actually laid this out in a, in a very beautiful way today when you've actually summarized how it should be, how it can be so that we could do uh, good in, in let's say personal life. I quickly want to switch gears to let's say the professional life. You've, you've done amazing in your professional life as well. What tips would you give to let's say entrepreneurs out there right now are listening to us, which they could do to, start their own business or become successful in whatever field they want to venture into?
0: Yes. So two things. One, provide value. Mm -hmm. Two, be yourself. Be who you really are. So I want to start with that, you know, the be yourself, be who you really are, because Mm -hmm. it's so important that when you start your business, you start it from a place that's authentically you. That's why I mentioned in the beginning, you know, really ask yourself, why am I doing this? Because if you build something off of someone that's not really you, but maybe just who you think you're supposed to be, who society tells you to be, who your parents tell you to be, it doesn't actually matter how much money and success you gain. You'll eventually want to burn it to the ground. Yeah. You'll eventually be like, screw this. I'm so burnt out. But when you build on who you actually are, you start to attract employees who want to work for You, Irshad, the real you, you know, you start to attract clients who want to work with the real you who, you know, I can get on coaching calls and be 100% myself with because I've never hid myself in my marketing. And therefore, I attract people who align with me. So it's really important that you hone in on, you know, who you are, what do you want? And don't try to grow your business from this fake facade. You know, don't look at Gary Vee or Grant Cardone and, oh, I have to be exactly like them to know that that's them. You know, that's what works for them. You be you, and then the second thing is provide value, so just be helpful. How can you help people? Never take it personally if your business is not working. Never take it personally if your content is not working. All that is is data for you to realize, okay, I'm not providing enough value. okay, mm. my clients weren't happy, people aren't paying me that's that's it. All I need to know is they're not paying me because I'm not providing enough value. If your content is flopping on social media. It's not valuable enough, you know. What can you do that is valuable? And that's what people pay for. How can you be helpful? How can you be convenient? All of these businesses, you know, Amazon Prime, Uber Eats. The reason exactly. they're so successful is because they're very convenient. They're very helpful. Oh, I would, oh, I would love to have food delivered right to my door. Thank you very much. You know. Sure. So I always say, ask yourself if you're um gonna make content, which is also what I coach people on. Ask yourself before you frame your content, what do I know? that my target market doesn't know that would make Mm. their lives easier? What do I know that my target market doesn't know that would make their lives easier? So that could be, for me, um, how to make videos for social media, how to write headlines for your videos, how to come up with um, five different apps for free editing for your videos. These are all ways that I'm sharing on my blog, just free value. You know, I'm just being helpful. I'm I'm not asking for anything. And in turn, I build so much trust with people. They start to reach out to me. Oh, Shay, you've been providing me so much free value with the video stuff. You know, can you, uh, can we work together? Like, how do I work with you? And, and those are such warm leads because they're coming to you. Exactly.
1: So I would say
0: at the end of the day, you know, be who you really are. Um, but if your business is not working, if the clients aren't coming, if the views aren't coming, it's okay. You know, you don't have to take it personal. You just need to realize. Well, what I'm doing must not be that valuable. It must not be that in demand, you know, and and go towards something that people need help with, start to ask questions. That's how I got into the video. So many people just needed help. I just became very helpful. And then people started giving me their money. And before I knew it, I had a business. Now I'm helping people with healing. You know, I also do have a healing company, Heal Tribe. And um, I realized that healing is something that's becoming very in demand. A lot more people... Are now ready to heal. A lot more people yeah. are asking for it. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I want to heal. What do I do? And then I'm just helpful. I just share in my content. Well, what happened when you were a child? Do you think maybe your parents were a little self-centered and, and narcissistic? Here's how we correct that. And, um, I would just say those two things, you know, be yourself, be who you really are so you can build a team that's authentic around that and just be helpful. Just provide value. Whatever people need, go toward that and you will have success.
1: Awesome. And uh, one question that I want to ask, which is basically primarily on your expertise, video content, right? So if you had to give, let's say, three pieces of advice to anybody who wants to create content uh, for, for video, let's say, right? Towards video, what those top three tips are going to be? And also, what apps can they use on top of your mind? Could be two or three free apps that they could go ahead and start off with the headlines as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So the biggest thing when starting video is you don't want to make your setup hard on yourself. You know, Mm. you want to make your setup so easy because the most important thing for growth on social media is actually consistency. You know, you want to stay consistent. So if you make your setup really hard of like, oh, I'm going to start doing video content now. I need uh, professional lights and I need a videographer and I need this big. What you're doing is you're actually just making it really hard to maintain because there's going to be a day when you're really burnt out and it's the end of the day and it's time to do video and you're going to be like, oh, that whole thing, I don't want to do that. But if you make it really simple, like, no, I'm just going to shoot on my cell phone. It's very easy to stay consistent, which yeah. is what you need starting out on social media. The other thing is, um, don't introduce yourself. You know, a lot of people make the mistake of in the start of their video saying, "Hi, I'm Shea Robottom, and I uh, work in video marketing, and today I'm here to talk about." Eh, you've already lost me. The first <laughs> five seconds on social media are the most important. If people want to learn more about you, they can click on your name. It's right there and they can learn more about you on your profile. You don't need to tell them anything. Just get right into the topic at hand, what's relevant to what you're sharing. You know, five ways to write headlines that get good engagement. That could be my headline. That could actually just be how I start a video. And you also want to make sure that the length is short because people are more likely to invest 60 seconds into a stranger with unknown content than they are five minutes. So keep exactly. it short, make it easy for people to consume. And the last thing that I would say, um, oh, apps. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to do editing, again, I'd say make it easy on yourself. So if editing is too overwhelming to start, don't even worry about editing at all. But if you think you can maintain some basic editing, there's two great apps. One is called clips and the mm-hmm. other is called subtitle. That's subtitle with a Z. Okay. Um, those are great. You can get the subtitles on there and get some basic edits. But the last thing that I will say is, you know, 90% of video creation is also confidence. And a lot of people, they're so afraid of getting on camera. They're so insecure. They don't want to talk in front of people. They don't like the way their voice sounds on the Mm -hmm. recording. You know, they're like, so, you know, (laughs) they got to break through that somehow. So how do you break through that? This is what I challenge all the listeners to do. And this is what I tell a lot of my clients even. 30 day video challenge where every single day for 30 days, you're going to film a video. It's whatever you want to talk about. Don't be strict on yourself, but for 30 days, every single day, you're going to shoot a video with the intention being, and you know, this going into it, the intention being you're not going to post any of these. Hmm. You're not going to post any of these. They're just for you. One a day for 30 days. Now, by the end of those 30 days, how badly do you think you'll be dying to post at least one or two of those? (laughs) At least one or two, Absolutely, yeah. Yes, because practice makes perfect. So take the pressure off yourself. Quit telling yourself it's got to be perfect. Everyone's going to see this. Say no one's going to see it. I'm going to shoot 30 videos just to get the hang of it, and nobody's going to see it. And I promise you by the end of the month, (laughs) you'll actually be confident enough to post one or two of those.
1: True, that's a very practical and a sound advice. That is something that I, I would highly recommend my listeners right now to try. And even maybe I should try it, so who knows, right? You should
0: try, <laughs> yes. And, you are, and you, cause you're already a natural because you do the podcasting, so that helps a lot too.
1: Yep, definitely. And uh, I know we are coming to the end of the interview and you have a tight slot as well, but there's one last question that I want to ask you, Shay. Okay. Uh, you understand the importance of having the growth mindset, right? Yes. Uh, so let's say if you had to give one or two advice that you think can help people, develop this growth mindset what those two advice are going to be
0: i would say ask yourself how badly do you really want it
1: Hmm. how
0: badly do you really want it if you want something if you truly truly want something you will find a way to make it happen and nothing's going to stop you so if, if you're not reaching your goals if you're not reaching um your your health goals your business goals your relationship goals You need to get real with yourself and say, okay, I must not really want it. I must not really Mm. want it that badly. I promise you, if you want something bad enough, you will get it. You know, I wanted healing bad enough. I found healing. You know, I, it came in unexpected (laughs) ways, like Ayurvedic medicine and ayahuasca. And like, I wasn't, but I wanted it. You know, I wanted it so badly. So I was willing to commit. And the second thing that I'll say is, um, have an open mind. You know, it's really important to have an open, mind if you want to grow if you want to heal the more that we are caught in needing to be right and doing things our way the less we're going to grow and that's actually the downfall of a lot of religion i'm not against mm. religion i i i love freedom of religion that's what's great about this country but um unfortunately sometimes what religion does is it actually puts people in a box as to what's possible and then they can't get out of that box so they're not open minded but in order to really grow and ascend you do need to consider other perspectives, have another idea, go to, you know, go uh, to a different church, maybe just see what it's like, don't put any pressure, just, just have an open mind. Well, maybe there's something I can learn from these people, go talk to people from different countries, different ethnicities, different backgrounds, just have an open mind. You don't need to be right all of the time. Being wrong is one of the most amazing things in life. And um, Mm -hmm. I think it's really important to um, understand that when we're wrong, it's not shameful, we're just learning. So be wrong, be open-minded, and also ask yourself, how bad do I really want it? Because if you really want it, I promise you, you will find a way to make it yeah.
1: happen. Yeah, awesome. Perfect. Thank you so much, Shay, for taking your time out and joining us on the podcast. It was an honor to have you here.
0: Yes, Irshad, thank you so much for having me.
1: This brings us to the end of this episode and hope you at least had one takeaway from this interview. If you have any questions or want to talk to me personally, you can find me at www. Silawatirshad.com. See you soon.